You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you. I'm Jason Kong. He's Bill Alexander. Good morning to you, Bill. How are you? Good morning, Jason. I hope you're doing well. Oh, I'm doing great. Thanksgiving right around the corner. This is one of my my favorite holidays of the year, Bill, so I'm excited. Definitely my favorite holiday of the of the season for sure. Now why is that? What what makes it is it just the food? What is it? Well, I mean, we have uh, it's partially the food. Obviously, that's one of the things that's really special. But the nice thing about it is that it's the time of year when families get together, uh, and, and there's no other expectations other than to enjoy each other, mm-hmm. and and that makes all the difference in the world. You know, Christmas can be difficult it because. Can. You know, whether you're young or old or, or, you know, whether it's all about the children or grandchildren or whatever, the expectations are high. And when expectations are high, people can be disappointed. And, and um, it, it's – and there's, you know, obviously once Thanksgiving as is over, it just seems like life speeds up for a month or more. That's true. So uh, because there's so much to do between Thanksgiving – and the new year. So, you know, Thanksgiving can be sort of a, a little slower holiday, uh, more relaxing, more enjoyment. And so I, it's just my favorite holiday. I can understand that. It's it's one of my favorites, too. And I, I think you're right. The There's no expectations. with If you're invited over to Thanksgiving, you ask, hey, what, what do I need to bring? Do I need to bring anything? Right. The only expectation is that the food will be wonderful. Exactly. That's it. Other than that, maybe watch some football. But right. Just hang out and have a good time. Sure. I'm, I'm right there with you, Bill. Absolutely. Well, we've got an interesting show lined up today, and we're going to be talking a lot about family dynamics and marriage and, and all sorts of things, Bill. I'm well, this for is this a program. family time of year, so I, I thought it would be fun to, to talk about uh, family dynamics. And, and obviously, for those folks who are visiting uh, their uh, parents or grandparents who are aging, it's also a time to assess their needs because it's, you know, particularly uh, when you're not seeing them every day. You only see them once or twice a year maybe because mm-hmm. you live out of town or out of state or, you know, across the world. Um, you know, and again, Thanksgiving's a time when people travel home for a spe- this special occasion. It's, it is a time to be observant because you see changes. You know, people get older, they, they uh, can't do as much, and sometimes you see those um, changes where you really need to talk about um, help, you know, help. Uh, so that's important, but that's not what I want to focus on today. Uh, I just think it is a time, uh, anytime you uh, are visiting uh, your older loved ones, that it's always good to keep a sharp eye in terms of their needs and, and what you might do to help them stay independent and those kind of things. But uh, truthfully, uh, with you know, most of us don't live in the old Ozzy and Harriet. Uh, <laughs> you, you're probably not even old enough to know what I'm talking about, but uh, the folks uh, on the radio, I think, uh, uh, most of us know uh, what I'm, I'm saying. Most families are not perfect. In fact, I'm not aware of any that are perfect. Neither am I. Um, And uh, so uh, the conditions are not always ideal. You know, conflicts do 
arise in most families. You hope that the conflicts are very small and incidental and not particularly important, but that's not always the case either. But the fact of the matter is families can be complicated. So, you know, one of the things that a lot of folks don't realize, particularly when it comes to uh, how to I plan for myself and my family, how important the family dynamics actually should play into your planning. Um, simple is not necessarily the best type of planning for many, many families out there. Um, and, and in fact, at least in my law practice, uh, family dynamics uh, actually it is the most important aspect in estate planning. Hmm. Now, there are lots of folks think, oh, it's only about my assets. It's only about my income. It's only about how do I want to give what I have to those whom I love, the way I want to give it, and when I want to give it, and how I want to give it. You know, those those kinds of questions are very important. But do you know anybody that doesn't have hopes and dreams and fears, not only for themselves, but for their spouse and for their children and grandchildren? We all do. Sure. So it's how does that all interact in terms of being able to make good decisions, not only for yourself and spouse, but for your children and grandchildren as well. And so um, all of those things make a difference. So uh, now, of course, other issues can intervene as well. In other words, well, how often do marriages end in divorce? 50% of the time? Well, that's what everybody says. Actually, I think there are folks out there that skew the numbers, you know. uh, So I I suspect – well, you'll laugh at me when I say that. But I suspect because there are folks that marry, divorce, marry, divorce, marry, divorce three, four times that those percentages skew the number. And the real number is probably closer to 40%. But it's – Okay. I can see that. But it's still a large number. And so – uh, and but here's here's the other piece to that. For every marriage that doesn't end in divorce, how many of those marriages are weak versus being really strong? And so there are a lot of reasons that people stay together, uh, but the relationship isn't the same um, that you might expect. Right. So the strength of the marriage uh, is something that's rarely discussed. Um, but it's also not, I mean, in terms of publicly. Yeah. Uh, but it is, uh, it can be uh, an important dynamic. Um, one of the saddest things in my own office uh, this past year, I had a couple come in uh, to do estate planning, uh, and uh, uh, one of the spouses wasn't willing to come back. And uh, finally, a few weeks later, she basically left. Wow. And so it was a divorce in the making, and and, uh, actually doing the planning, I think, just sort of brought it to a head that she didn't want to go forward with planning when she had other ideas in terms of what her future would be. So you're not going to get a Christmas card from her, I'd imagine, this year. No, no, no. But that was, I mean, (laughs) I hadn't seen that in a long time. Uh, But it's, it's the kind of thing where it makes you... Um, you know, makes you wonder sometimes. Um, but 
what are some of the other family dynamics that are really important in terms of of planning? And I th- I think we know this innately, but one of the issues is how do or how does your child or your children get along with you? Mm-hmm. How how well do they get along with your spouse? Uh, that's really important. You know, some folks are um, don't have the miracle that all of their children love them and care for them and will be there for them for anything and everything. There are a lot of selfish people out there who are all about themselves and not about their loved ones, if you or the right. folks that they should love. So. Um, how the children get along with you um, is an extremely important dynamic. There, you know, I see frequently in my planning practice there are children who have estranged themselves for one reason or another. It's uh, and so they have really no relationship with their parent. It's um, it's not uncommon at all uh, where there are children of divorced spouses. You know, where uh, one spouse has turned the child or children against the other spouse in one way or another. Uh, Or, you know, the the other side of the coin is where one spouse has not kept up the relationship or financially supported the child and the child's on their own. You know, things like that, where the child just says, well, screw this. I'm, you know, you you have not shown anything for me and I'm not going to show anything back. So, but, but the bottom line is, that relationship is really important in terms of how you plan. I mean, you hope uh, that your children love you and will be there for you and that you've nurtured them and taken care of them, uh, but not all families are that fortunate. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're very right. And I think a, a good example kind of recently was mm-hmm. uh, the Jerry Lewis situation with uh, with his children. They apparently did not all have a, a very loving relationship there. And, you know, when, when some of the stories came out, it's, you know, it can get messy. Well, and, and of course, uh, the other sad truth uh, is often fact that the stories don't come out until the person dies. True. That's when the uh, dirty linen... Uh, it's <laughs> spread, I guess. Um, and, of course, the same is true in terms of families fighting over money mm-hmm. when a person dies. Normally, there's generally little to no discord in the family when they're waiting for their parent to die. That's a horrible way to yeah, say it. Yeah, but true, uh, though. But the bottom line is then, then it's, well, like mom and dad were better to you and I deserve more and, you know, you know, whatever the you know, people have all sorts of justification for trying to get what they think they should have or deserve, as opposed to what their parents actually want to leave them for whatever purpose. Um, uh, and of course, uh, sometimes parents do legitimately have reasons to want to have unequal divisions. That can be a very difficult uh, thing for a parent to do because it often does, not always, but it all, and again, it depends on the children. It often can spell disaster after the parent's gone because there's resentment that one child gets more than another child. And so why, why might you have that? Well, one reason might be that you have a child who has very special needs. You know, our, our special needs children 
or it, it, it could be because a child has just had harsh luck during their life. Some, mm-hmm. Most of the time it's self-made, but not always. Uh, it may be that one child is doing extremely well financially and another one chose a different career path, maybe was a housewife or a house husband uh, who never made a whole lot of income and um, will have needs that the parent identifies that the other child won't have. Um, and Or it may be that one child has for many years taken care of the parent mm-hmm or parents, and the other children have not. And so they, they want to, to benefit that child more for one reason. Or other reasons, it might be that, you know, you have a family farm and one child is, is working the fields every day and, um, and wants to be a farmer and, you know, went to NC State and got that <laughs> agricultural degree and, and knows all about farming and can make money farming. And the the other children have gone in different directions and have no real love for the land. Uh, you know, there are issues like that, too, um, that arise in, in many families. So, um, okay, so what that leads us to, the next complication that's really important in estate planning, and that is how do the children get along with each other? Because... Um, well, I mean, when, when kids are small, you expect them to, you know, fight with each other sure. and those kind of things. And, you, and as a parent, you hope that they grow out of that. <laughs> and more often than not, they really do. And, um, and then you have the additional complication of they get married, right? And, well, uh, you're married. You have a child, Jason. So has your family life become more complicated because of the marriage? Oh, certainly. certainly. Well, how so? I mean, well, you know, the you have a child and that takes all your attention. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm not able to travel. Usually I'd go down to Orlando to see my family for Thanksgiving or Christmas. We went earlier in July and I said, I am not doing another, you know, 13-hour road trip with a baby. So... Uh, mm-hmm. We might do that next year. But or they have year, to come see you. Yeah, they're coming here this year. We're, well, we're staying put and they're coming but, here. But it, it requires compromise, doesn't it? Does. It does. Okay. It certainly does. And communication. A- absolutely. And, of course, your wife has a family, too. Yes. So, obviously, you got double compromises, right? It's a little bit easier in our regard because her family lives in Guam. So, that's not ah, not okay. a not a road trip away or anything like well, that. that. Well, okay. I can see that. But, I mean, bottom line is that's true for every marriage because uh, I can't remember the old adage, but when you get married, you marry the, you marry the family, don't you? That's right. Well, that's, that's a big, big part of it as well. Um, obviously, so family dynamics uh, really do play a huge part in terms of, uh, of how we plan. And of course, uh, there are additional dynamics. There are lots of folks your age and older who we call sandwich generation. <laughs> now, I, I know that's not the proper term for your generation, but there are an awful lot of folks who have children that they are trying to provide for, but they also have parents who need their help and they have to provide for them. Um, I I know in my own practice, um, I actually had an opportunity to be a part of a startup company in Hawaii that I actually helped 
get started. And I, I did. Uh, I, I was their attorney for a number of years, but they actually wanted me in as a partner because I helped to create the company for them, and it became a very, very successful company, and we knew it would from the very start. But at the time, that was in Hawaii, and we actually thought about it very seriously, but my father had died, mm. and um, basically I was the person that my mother was counting on to be there for her. Right. And so the bottom line is my mother was really the key uh, piece in that decision um, to turn that offer down and to stay put and practice law in Cabarrus County, North Carolina at the time. So, I mean, that's that's family, and those are things that you, you know, sometimes you just have to make those decisions that are best for your family. It's not about you all the time. That's it's, right. And so you have to do, and sometimes it's not about your spouse either. Sometimes it's about your children. Oftentimes it's about your children, or sometimes it's about your parents. I mean, how many people move in order to take care of a parent or, you know, they give up a job to take care of their parents or they give up an opportunity to take care of their parents or they move for the sake of their children. They have to give up their job or opportunity to seek another one because they need to move to a different location where their children will have a better opportunity. All family dynamics. Yep. Family dynamics are key, and perspective is important as well. We'll continue our conversation in just a bit. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him at WGALaw.com. And we're talking, oh boy, Bill, we're talking all about families today and dynamics and how they play a, a very important role in good estate planning. And wh- where are we going next? Well, I mean, family dynamics to me um, is really the key and it, and it charts your path in terms of estate planning. Now, with that in mind, uh, secondly, uh, your income and your assets and your debts clearly play into estate planning as well uh, in terms of how you have those things arranged. It also makes a big difference in terms of how you have your retirement accounts and your investment accounts invested, uh, how you have your beneficiary designations for life insurance and retirement accounts and annuities. Uh, all of that plays into um, uh, your your planning. And, um, you know, a lot of folks think it's all about a will, Um you know, and I think that's all estate planning is. Actually, it's not. And w- one of the things that I uh, say frequently to f- folks when I'm speaking um, uh, is the fact that in many instances for married couples, a will or even a trust does not work. And people look at me and say, well, that's what you do. Why would you do something that doesn't work? And I say, well, it's all about not just doing the document, but doing the Mm follow-through to make sure that a plan works. So many people wrongfully believe that a will or a last will and testament basically is your plan to distribute all of your property to your family. 
wrong. It's just one of many documents that distributes your uh, assets to your family. And that's, that's where the key is because most married folks, their will doesn't really um, um, devise much property to their family because – well, and I'll give you uh, – I mean, I can use you as an example, but this is true for almost everyone who is married. How do you own your home? Uh, jointly. Jointly. It's in North Carolina. If you if you bought your house while you were married, uh, the default is that you own it as tenants by the entirety. Now, what does that mean? It means that if you die, who owns your home? My wife. Now, does it matter whether you have a will or not? No, not in that case. I it does think. not. Your deed is what actually gives the house to your spouse. Now, uh, do you have a bank account? Yes. Is it joint? It is. Of course it is with a married uh, person almost always. So who gets the bank account? Uh, go to her, right? If you die. Yeah. yeah. Because what? Is it because of a will? No, it's because of that's how it was. It's joint with right joint of survivorship. Right. Okay. How about any investment accounts you do, that you might have? Are they joint? Uh, I don't know that we really have any, but well, no, if you not. did, yeah. the chances are it would be joint with right. right of survivorship. And truthfully, the institutions, the banks, the brokers, they like joint with right of survivorship because then they don't have to look for a will or some other instrument to know where the property goes. So they love it when you set up your account joint with right of survivorship because two things happen. Number one, they know who it goes to when one dies. It's very easy. And they still have control of that money, mm-hmm. which is the other thing that's important <laughs> to them. Okay. So um, I'm sure you have some life insurance, yes. right? So who gets that? I'll go to her, right? Now, is that because of your will? No, no. That's because of the policy, right? Well, and you have what's called a beneficiary designation in right. that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, how about maybe the largest thing that you will eventually have, right now your house may be, uh, maybe not, but for many, many folks, the largest um, uh, asset that they have is their retirement account. So uh, does, your, does your retirement account go to your wife or someone else by your will? Uh, no. You have a beneficiary designation there. You there you go. Right? Okay. There okay. so, we go. All right. And if you have an annuity, which is a financial product through an insurance company, who gets that? I think it would go to the spouse as well. No, well, yeah. it does, but not because of the will. Right. I mean, it could go to the wife. It could go to children. It could go to friends. It could go to anybody. But it's by beneficiary designation. So here we go. If you're married and you're set up with the way you own your property, the way the great majority of married couples are set up, your house doesn't go by the will. Your bank accounts doesn't go by the will. Your investments don't go by the will. Your retirement accounts don't go by the will. Your annuities don't go by the will. Your life insurance doesn't go by the will. So what's left to go? I don't know. <laughs> That's the point, is your stuff might go by the will. And okay. so it might be a vehicle. Mm, okay. Um, and... Um, uh, and, and, of course, um, now, a lot of folks don't realize this, but in North Carolina, we, we have a, uh, an estate provision 
that allows a spouse, as long as it's applied for during the first year after the death of the spouse, it's called a spousal year's allowance. The spouse, the surviving spouse, is entitled to the first $30,000 of property. And, and that right is in front of everybody. It's in front of creditors of any kind, um, and it's automatic. Uh, so, But it has to be applied for. And if you don't apply for it, you don't get it. And so oftentimes many surviving spouses, that's all they really have to do uh, in a fairly simple estate plan. And it's a very inexpensive process, and it's a very quick process. And the great majority of time, what that's used for is an automobile that's in the in the decedent's name, or the, the vehicle is owned jointly, but not with right of survivorship. So I would also tell folks that uh, in order to avoid having to do that for a vehicle— it, it You can actually, a lot of folks, they don't tell you at DMV, but you can fill out an extra form to where you can actually own a vehicle jointly with rights of survivorship so that you don't have to go through a probate of any kind uh, or an estate administration of any kind to move half the vehicle uh, to the other spouse's name. And that, in fact, that's a that's a mistake that a lot of folks make is that because it's in joint names, and they still get the tax bill, and they still get the uh, registration, and they still get um, um, the insurance bill, they don't realize that they need to get that the decedent's name off the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they don't, and then the survivor dies, then. Typically, the children have to open two estates in order to be able to sell the car and that, or the vehicle or the truck or whatever it is. So the bottom line is that's a huge mistake that a lot of families make, and I don't want my, my folks to make that same mistake. And, and quite frankly, for insurance liability, because as you know, I do asset protection planning, and that's a big part of my practice, is that people are better off having the principal driver own the car. In other words, not to own it jointly. Uh, that, that actually gives them more protection uh, with their own uh, liability insurance if they have it that way. Um, so I, I, that's the way I recommend it for, for most of my folks. That's a good tip. Very good tip. And uh, we'll continue our conversation on family dynamics and marriage and how, how all this relates to estate planning in just a bit. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him at WGALaw.com. This is News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. I'm Jason Kong. Thank you so much for listening. We're uh, talking all about families and the dynamics of uh, families and how they play in good estate planning, Bill. And mm-hmm. you uh, you just shared some some really good tips. Um, you know, we're talking about wills and you know what they cover and what they don't cover. And I thought that was really enlightening because you know you hear so much about wills and how important they are, but you got to realize how they behave and what they can do and what they can't do. Well, both wills and trusts are mm-hmm. very, very important to folks, but you have to understand that it's not 
it's not just about the documents. It's the follow-through in terms of making your plan work. And that's particularly true for trusts, uh, uh, but it's also true for wills as well because wills often do provide some of the gasoline to make uh, the car move, if you will, mm-hmm. in terms of a good estate plan. So it is still a very, very important document. And that's true whether you have a very simple estate or a very complex estate. Now, uh, in terms of family dynamics, another interesting issue are folks out there who virtually have no family. And, and, you know, most of us think, oh, everybody has family. But that's really not true. If, if you're an only child, you have no siblings to uh, consult with, um, and once your parents are gone, you're alone, mm-hmm. right? And if you're unmarried, uh, you have no spouse, you have no siblings. Um, so that can be difficult. Um, and if you have no children, then you, you have really no one to rely on other than yourself. And so that makes your planning that much more important, um, easier in some ways and far more complex in others. It's easier to the degree that it's how do I use what I have to, to last my lifetime and not have to depend on others mm-hmm. because you don't have anybody else to depend on. Um, and so, um, you know, and a lot of the folks there, it's like, okay, how do I arrange my state to where the day I die, I spend my last penny and I go out of the world that way? <laughs> okay. Um, and, uh, of course, there are some unique issues there, but uh, the biggest one is who can you rely on when and if you need help? Um and by help, I mean as we age, um, what do we do uh, to provide for ourselves? Well, if we have sufficient income and we're in that kind of situation, I encourage folks in that category, and oftentimes it also includes widows and widowers, um, to consider independent living uh, arrangements. And, you know, that's where you, you go uh, to a community where they provide services for you and they provide a safe environment for you. As, so and as you age, it, it's far easier, but you have to be able to afford that. And some are more expensive than others, but there's and particularly in an area like this, there are a lot of different places that people can, can go. The other issue, particularly if it's looked at early on for a single, is having long-term care insurance. Um, Why? Because, well, the likelihood of needing assistance from folks you have to pay is even higher for singles than it is for folks who have children uh, who live nearby and can check on them and love them and will try to take care of them as they age. Those options are off the table mm-hmm. for singles, so they have a much different issue. And and those, and I hate to say it, but those folks really need to think about getting that insurance early. The earlier that it's it, it's available to them when they're younger, and it's generally not something 
where people are thinking 30 or 40 years later, but they really need to do that. And um, it, it's just, it's the kind of thing where if you can look at long-term care insurance in your 40s or early 50s, uh, it's actually better because it's much less expensive, it's affordable, mm-hmm. and you're generally more insurable in your 40s and early 50s than you are in your late 50s or 60s. Right. And quite frankly, you might not be able to afford it when you're older, or you might not be insurable because you've had some ins- you know, medical incident in your life where it's not available to you anymore, or... The other thing is you're rated. That means you're not perfect, mm-hmm. uh, and you can still get it, but it's far more expensive uh, through the insurance company. So it's just another unique issue for folks. Now, I know we need to take another break, but when we come back, I want to talk about, you know, I talk frequently about how life is more complicated for seniors than for young folks, and as complicated as you know for yourself as a young person how marriage and family dynamics complicate your life well what about those folks who are considering marriage or remarriage as a senior and what that does for them financially and or good and bad um, and um, you know how it might affect children by each person, you know, that kind of thing. So those issues can be extremely important uh, to seniors. Uh, and I want to talk about it when we come back. Yeah, I thought my situation was complicated, but that sounds like a whole nother ball game, And we'll get into that in just a bit. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. I am Jason Kong, and we're talking all about the dynamics of family and how they play a role in good estate planning. And, Bill, we're going to get into a, a situation here that uh, I just don't think about often, and I'm sure it's complicated, but the dynamics of marriage or remarriage for seniors. Well, I, I deal with it frequently, quite I, frankly. I bet you do. And it's, um, you know, it's when you when you get older – you still, for the most part, have the same or similar desires for love and affection and companionship and somebody to do things with and someone you enjoy being with. And and uh, sometimes that leads to marriage and sometimes it simply leads to wonderful friendships. You hope for that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for a lot of folks, it's okay uh, uh, what's... Um, do I say I do or do I say I don't? <laughs> uh, and, of course, sometimes that's an emotional uh, decision, and other times it's a financial decision. But for most folks, it's um, it's both. It's, you know, what's in my best interest for myself financially and for my family? And by family, I'm saying my children and grandchildren oftentimes. Now, if you don't have children or grandchildren, then it's a little less complicated. Then it might be simply about finances. But the bottom line is uh, marriage. um, Now, obviously, one thing that I should say up front is that when folks are seniors and considering marriage or remarriage, uh, one common 
advice, uh, which a lot of folks don't take, but probably should, is to have a prenuptial agreement or what's a pre-marriage agreement. And that's basically where you lay it all on the table. Uh, this is These are the assets I have. These, this is the income I have. These are the debts that I have uh, with the spouse. And typically, uh, the, a prenup will be where you agree that you're giving up uh, marriage rights to inherit from one another. Now, I want to quickly say that that's in most seniors' advantage because it doesn't prevent you from taking care of your spouse. It doesn't prevent you from leaving property to your new spouse. Um, But it gives you the option of leaving everything to your children or grandchildren and leaving nothing to your spouse. And it may be that your spouse doesn't need it. You know, Mm -hmm. the spouse may be independently wealthy and, and... most people in a remarriage circumstances do, in fact, want to protect the inheritance of their children. Uh, th- these are times when trusts do make a difference and can help a great deal, um, and, and it makes a huge difference. Now, I can also go back, and this is an issue for singles and as well in planning, and that is for life planning, who do you trust? Who do you choose as your agent to take care of things for your benefit when you can't do it yourself? And sometimes it's for medical reasons. Sometimes it's for other reasons. uh, Sometimes it's Alzheimer's or dementia, whatever it is. But it's really important who is better at choosing someone you trust for yourself than you. Right. Okay. So I would say you're in the best position, particularly when you're in good health and lucid, that you can choose whom you want to make those decisions for you rather than somebody volunteering to do it uh, with maybe good or bad intentions uh, when you're not in charge. Um, So the bottom line is who you trust is really, really important. And in a second marriage, that might be your new spouse or it might be one or more of your children, or a combination thereof. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, again, it's what are the family dynamics? It, it really comes down to that. So it makes a really uh, uh, interesting dilemma, uh, particularly when you have uh, people re, you know, mar- remarrying and their children on both sides of the marriage. Uh, that, of course, can be a, a more complicated way to – Merge what you have, but also keep it separate in terms of uh, for your own children. Um, And, of course, obviously in marriages, sometimes one of the spouses has a whole lot more in income or assets than than the other. doesn't mean it won't be a wonderful marriage. It just means it's not equal. Mm -hmm. And so it's a matter of how do you plan for that makes makes it uh, really different. And, of course— then you have an even more complicated Thanksgiving, don't you? <laughs> you certainly do. <laughs> because now you've got uh, two extended families right. uh, involved in these compromises, and it's sort of like, where are we going this year? Uh, and um, uh, Or who's coming to the table mm-hmm. uh, if they're coming to your house? So it, uh, it can make it um, 
pretty interesting around uh, around the table. And then, and oftentimes it's how do we get along? And an even uh, uh, more interesting question is how do the children by the separate marriages get along? Because right. oftentimes they don't. <laughs> it's like, true. well, this man or this woman is, is standing in the way of what we should have gotten in our inheritance, and we're afraid that the other children are going to get what we should have gotten. And sometimes that's all, you know, it's all about greed as opposed to love. And that's uh, a real sad thing when you see that, but it's not uncommon at all. So those, again, we get getting back to family dynamics, and here we are at Thanksgiving. So uh, get ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's never easy. It really isn't. But I I can see how that situation really kind of turns things up and makes it even more complicated. Well, most families uh, do around the holidays have traditions and um, you know it's it's hard for a new person coming into that family to uh, for any compromise to be made in terms of those traditions because uh, they get together the same way every year and people enjoy it that way and and you're invited to the party but you know you better not try to push changes uh, right. too much it's the kind of thing where you just have to compromise at, at times, and it, it makes life interesting. Sometimes you enter those situations, too, or maybe you have like three or four different Thanksgiving meals that you have to go to throughout the day. So yeah. those are those are always hard on people, but I, I understand why it happens. Well, let's go back to marriage because it, it does. I mean, basically, when you get married, uh, it, it does provide access to state and federal spousal and survivor benefits oftentimes. Because it can mean that you will get your spouse's Social Security, which could be very much higher than your your decedent spouse's uh, Social Security. Uh, if you remarry after age 60, when it comes to Social Security, you can get Social Security based on your own account, your new spouse's account, or your old spouse's, your, your decedent spouse's account. If you remarry before age 60, then you lose the potential benefit of your decedent spouse um, makes make or uh, you know and, and that makes uh, a, a big difference or it could be even a divorce spouse that you're entitled to once your divorce spouse dies if you remarry after 60 you can reach back and get that or if your new spouse is much wealthier and has a much higher social security you're entitled to that after a year of marriage so that can make a difference. Oftentimes, the spouse might have a pension from work with a spousal benefit. And so if, if you have a benefit like that and you uh, remarry, you might lose your old benefit or your new spouse may have a pension benefit for a spouse that you get. Well, that can make a huge difference. And while I don't see it in North Carolina, uh, marriage sometimes in many states can mean you're responsible for your spouse's uh, debts, uh, particularly medical debts that are occurred during your marriage. And um, I, like I said, I don't see that in North Carolina unless you've signed a guarantee. But you also have to recognize that as we get older, there's a much greater chance that there will be high medical bills and high long-term care expenses. So while I don't worry about those things in North Carolina unless someone has guaranteed it, 
it is the kind of thing that might say in other states, I don't want to get married because of the potential for those expenses. Um, so there, there are all sorts of financial. It's also true with military benefits, you know. So you know you can lose, you know, a, a divorce you might lose, but if you have a, a war period veteran and you don't remarry, then you're entitled to some uh, VA benefits later on if you get sick. Um, so there are other things like that that make a huge difference financially, and you always need to check in before you commit. Right to what's the financial status is going to be. It, it surprises me frequently when people don't know what their income will be based on when someone dies or when they marry or remarry. Makes a huge difference. Lots of different factors to uh, to consider, and if you're in that situation, you may want to head over to wgalaw.com and get your some some advice before you uh, enter into a situation or just see your, your options. It's important to have an expert uh, look things over. And hey, I know a guy. It's Bill Alexander with Asset Protection today here on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him at WGALaw.com. And Bill, we are out of time here, but we got just enough time to thank everyone for listening and to wish them a, a happy Thanksgiving and to enjoy the uh, the festivities Absolutely. This week. I wish everyone a safe and wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. On behalf of Bill Alexander, I'm Jason Kong. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you join us again next week here on Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF.